Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity entitled, Keeping Pace in Hematologic Malignancies, Optimizing Treatment Selection in Relapsed or Refractory Multiple Myeloma, is provided by Prova Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Despite rapid advances in therapeutic options, multiple myeloma remains incurable. Most patients inevitably relapse. And it's a very crowded space in relapsed myeloma, no simple algorithm to select the best therapy. So how do we incorporate the most current data to develop an individualized treatment plan for these patients? This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Amrita Krishnan. And I'm Dr. Maury Gertz. There are now several combination regimens consisting of proteasome inhibitors, immunomodulatory agents, monoclonal antibodies, and novel targeted therapies. Let's consider several case scenarios and discuss how we're translating the latest clinical data into practice. So let's start with a 62-year-old male with multiple myeloma. Back pain, MRI confirms compression fractures and lytic lesions. Laboratory evaluation shows 40% bone marrow plasma cells, and the patient has standard risk fish. Beta-2 microglobulin is 4.7 with an albumin of 4 grams, international stage 2. LDH is normal. The patient initially is treated with bortezomib, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone, VRD, followed by a single autologous stem cell transplant, Melphalan 200. The patient begins lenalidomide maintenance therapy, 10 milligrams, three weeks out of four, on day 100, and is monitored and sustains a biochemical relapse without symptoms 27 months later. What do we do now? This is probably one of our most common scenarios in regards to a patient on LEN maintenance now progressing. Even though you said he was standard risk, Maury, I do think he's somewhat of a higher risk given his median progression-free survival after transplant was relatively short. This patient has a plethora of options, so some of this is a really individualized discussion with the patient in terms of some of his preferences as well, some of the comorbidities that maybe we'll get into of the different choices. I would say at our center right now, we would definitely consider the use of an anti-CD38 monoclonal antibody. And it really would be the partner to that that would be under discussion with the patient, i.e. should be combined with a proteasome inhibitor, either bortezomib or carfilzomib. I am impressed with the data from Candor with daratumumab plus carfilzomib and dexamethasone with a PFS of 28.6 months in that triplet arm. Similarly, we have some impressive data with isotuximab plus carfilzomib and dex. Here, the median PFS in the Akima trial hasn't been reached. So again, carfilzomib plus an anti-CD38 antibody is a very good combination. Combining a different image of pomalidomide based on the Apollo trial or of DARA plus POMDEX, their PFS of 12.4 months, or the Acaria trial, which is pretty similar, ESA-POMDEX, PFS 11.5 months. I think both those options are very reasonable and it becomes a question of some toxicities, which I think, you know, I'll let you comment on it when you discuss it with patients. I agree with all of those therapeutic options, but when we're truly trying to individualize therapy for a patient, we need to take into account the therapy-related adverse events. Obviously, with the long survivals we're seeing now with multiple myeloma, we need to be cognizant of irreversible toxicities, things that 
could be considered would be, does the patient have pre-existent peripheral neuropathy that would make the use of bortezomib a more difficult choice? What about the risks of venous thromboembolism associated with all the immunomodulatory drugs? Will that mean long-term anticoagulation with a novel anticoagulant? Does the patient have any relative contraindications? Long-term myelosuppression with the long-term use of maintenance therapies and induction with the increased risk of infection and transfusion dependency should be considered. For agents such as bolantamab, there's the very unique corneal toxicity that occurs that can often force patients off drug. And if carfilzomib is selected, because it is a highly active agent, the issue of the cardiac signal, how much fluid do we give before and after the infusion, does the patient have preexistent hypertension, or does the patient have a reduced ejection fraction that might increase the side effects associated with cardiac toxicity? And I wonder, Maury, if you just want to comment on the infection risk a little bit more, because I was struck In candor, for example, in older patients over 65, of the high percentage of significant infectious events, including fatal adverse events. That's a very important comment. There's no question that all anti-CD38 antibodies suppress the immune response. There's a much higher risk of significant infections. In the Bellini trial that used venetoclax, there was a higher risk of infectious death. And so issues are, is it appropriate to consider long-term antibiotic prophylaxis become a relevant issue? And in patients who are receiving daratumumab and isotuximab, there's demonstrated blunted responses to COVID vaccination. I think that adds another layer of complexity to our treatment decision for these patients. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Amrita Krishnan, and here with me today is Dr. Maury Gertz, and we're discussing how best to treat patients with relapsed refractory multiple myeloma, given these many novel combinations, many new therapies that are rapidly being introduced into the treatment landscape. Okay, let's turn to a different scenario, a transplant ineligible patient. This is a 77-year-old who presented with fatigue, was found to be anemic, hemoglobin of 8.8, Also had significant renal insufficiency, creatinine of 2.1. The patient was treated with daratumumab, lenalidomide, and DEX, did well for about 19 months, and then had a fairly quick progression with a doubling of serum immunoglobulin-free light chains. At this point, the patient was on monthly DARA and a LEN dose of 10 milligrams. Now, what do we do? This is also a very common problem. A patient who is relapsing on dual maintenance therapy And my experience, although the published data is not very extensive, is that, for example, escalating the lenalidomide dose from 10 milligrams back to 25 milligrams or increasing the frequency of daratumumab infusions has not been effective in my practice. I would consider this patient completely refractory to an anti-CD38 and to lenalidomide. In patients like this, I would certainly be repeating the bone marrow biopsy so I could get fish because if this patient has the 1114 translocation, this patient will be a high expressor of BCL2 and venetoclax, often at a reduced dose of 400 milligrams, will be effective. But if the patient is, as is likely, not going to carry that, this is a patient where I normally go directly to carfilzomib, pomalidomide, dexamethasone, or 
Carfilzomib cyclophosphamide dexamethasone, as this patient is alkylating agent naive and has not been exposed to melphalan as part of a transplant, an alkylating agent can be quite effective. Nonetheless, we have to be cognizant again. A 77-year-old, will there be cardiac complications with carfilzomib? How well will the patient tolerate pomalidomide in terms of maintaining their blood counts so they can get therapeutically effective doses? What's the appropriate dexamethasone dose for a patient that is 78 years old? And then the question comes up, is early initiation of selenexor a consideration using the newly described suppressive antiemetic regimens that are used to prevent the weight loss so commonly seen? And then finally, of course, early introduction of belantamab. There are trials looking at belantamab combined with selenexor. So we have both novel agents, carfilzomib palm, as well as really new agents such as belantamab, selenexor, Emrita. What if this patient relapses multiple times? For the multiply relapsed patients, especially those with four or more prior lines of therapy, we are fortunate to have new options. So we have approved options. That includes the antibody drug conjugate, belantamab, mafodotin, CAR T-cells, also approved in this space, though in this patient, the CAR T discussion, I think, would be a little bit more challenging based on the renal insufficiency in this patient. When is a patient not transplant eligible, but CAR T eligible? There is data from cartitude and karma in patients over the age of 65. The PFS seems comparable, but we do know older patients are probably higher risk in terms of neurologic toxicities, for example. We don't have data in patients with this degree of renal insufficiency, but certainly in the real world setting, we are doing it in patients with some degree of renal impairment. So I wouldn't rule out CAR-T, but I'd be a little bit more cautious in this patient. Then we also look to some unapproved but new agents on the horizon, specifically the bispecifics, and those can be BCMA targeting, specifically to clistamab, but also other targeting agents, such as the FCR5 targeting agent sevastimab and the GPRC5D targeting bispecific talquetamab. Again, they've all shown a lot of promise in patients with advanced disease, at least a median of five prior regimens. Thank you, Abrita. Finally, let's discuss a patient with high-risk multiple myeloma. A 63-year-old woman presented with 70% bone marrow plasma cells and a PET scan showed extramedullary disease in the liver, biopsy proven, with deletion 17P and translocation 414. This patient was initially treated with daratumumab, carfilzomib, lenalidomide, dexamethasone, followed by tandem stem cell transplant and two-drug maintenance with daratumumab and lenalidomide. Not surprisingly, she relapses at seven months of maintenance therapy and moves on to selenexor, pomalidomide, dexamethasone, relapses within six months and has a brief response to parenterally administrated cyclophosphamide. What can we use for a multiply relapsed high-risk patient, Emrita? Unfortunately, this is probably an all too common scenario. Young patient with incredibly aggressive disease who got the best drugs that we had to offer up front is induction and even tandem. This is really the place where I would look at some of the emerging therapies and look to buy specifics. 
look to the use of early CAR T cells. And there are some trials looking at CAR T in patients with one to three prior relapses, other new targeting by specifics, because I think this patient really has progressed through the best available drugs that we have. And I think we need to find newer options. And I would look to immunotherapy options for this patient. I agree with that. One thing I was so excited about was the Majestic study that looked at teclistamab. Heavily pretreated patients, 65% overall response rate, and cytokine release syndrome was not seen. I think this whole concept of off-the-shelf bite therapy that can be repeatedly administered is very exciting, recognizing that these patients have some exotic infectious complications. Well, this has been a fascinating, enlightening conversation. But before we wrap up, Maury, can you share your one take-home message with this audience? Thank you. With the growing variety of combination therapies being evaluated, it's critical to be confident in individualized therapy for patients with relapsed myeloma, including the potential toxicities of the agents selected. And my final take-home message really is to echo what Maury said, that really it's important to balance efficacy and toxicity to achieve optimal outcomes for our patients. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. So I want to thank our audience for listening and thank you, Dr. Maury Gertz, for joining me and sharing your valuable insights. It was great speaking with you today. Thank you very much and goodbye. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by... Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash Prova. Thank you for listening.